Welcome to the Plebeian Power Hour with your hosts, Tipper and Kim. Today we're going to be talking about the Panama Canal. So the Panama Canal I thought was an interesting topic. I picked it because I wanted to get into some, you know, like a modern wonder, something, you know, big and awesome that mankind had done recently. And that was the first thing that came to my mind. And I actually really enjoyed looking into the topic. Oh, yeah. There was so much here that I had no idea about. And I love learning new stuff. So it was really fun to kind of dive in and learn all the things I didn't know that I didn't know about the Panama Canal. Yeah, there were a lot of things that I learned that, I mean, I, I knew some of this. I knew that, you know, America built the Panama Canal and and that, you know, it used locks to lift the ships up and move them through from the Pacific to the Atlantic uh, side or vice versa. But there was a lot that I learned. So One of the things that I didn't know that I didn't know is that the lake was man-made. I had thought they had picked this area because there was a lake there. So I had no idea that they man-made this gigantic lake, the biggest man-made lake at the time, so that they could do this. I didn't know that. Yeah, I I knew that uh, they they basically, there's a river, the Chagras River, mm-hmm. that uh, they, they dammed up and it created this lake called uh, Lake Caton. Mm-hmm. And it's like 160 square miles. Yeah. And, and just just big. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of kind of fascinating things like that that, you, that we learned. Mm-hmm. And so... I also didn't know that the French started building it first. I had never... And when you Google it here in America, you say, when was the Panama Canal built? They will give you the American building dates. They don't go back the this extra nine the years. This is important dates. Forget <laughs> yeah, about... Right. They didn't build it, so it doesn't count. But the French did a ton of work on it. Yeah, they did a lot. And most of the deaths they attribute to the building of the Panama Canal were those French, uh, French employed workers. Yep. So a lot of them are actually from the Caribbean and the West Indies and things like that. But they, because there's this historical document that I found where they were like, well, the local Panamanians weren't built for this kind of labor. So they went outside. (laughs) Yeah, I found a lot of those sort of things. I was but... like, "Don't offend the Panamanians. They could, they could operate a train." <laughs> well, uh, that's the that's when it's done. Mm-hmm. And some hard work, though. That was millions and millions and millions of cubic feet of ground moved. Yeah, very we... very impressive engineering. So to kind of get to the, you know, where. They built it and, and how they built it, but it's down in Panama, which is between North America, South America, and the two land masses join, and there's this isthmus, which the isthmus of Panama, and which apparently that's a narrow strip of land with sea on either side, connecting two larger pieces of land, and in the thinnest spot, it's like 37 miles across, but where they ended up building the canal... It's about 50 miles. So this canal, they essentially dug a trench 50 miles across. No, they didn't. That's another fascinating fact. Because they made that lake, they only had to build uh, like eight. I have this well, somewhere. Also keep in mind, trench too, that, that that lake was not part of the original design. 
let's talk about the history and okay. then we'll get to that because I think that will make it make the most sense. So I'm not going to go into too much detail here, but the very first thought of a canal across Panama was in 1513 when a Spanish explorer, Vasco Nunez de Balboa, crossed the isthmus and thought they should cut through it so ships could go through, which is, is a fairly reasonable thing to do since there's a point in Panama that you can stand on a mountain and see both oceans. You can see the Pacific and the uh, Caribbean slash Atlantic. So it was a very thin area. That is where people crossed when they were trying to get across, but they would get out of their ships and they would walk across and then they would get on a ship on the other side. So they decide that's a good idea, but then they don't do anything for several hundred years. Yeah, so I think they the they had ordered like a survey and then just said, yeah, it's not going to be possible. Right, because I think they did a lot of surveys and just didn't have the money for that kind of stuff at that time. But they have a ton of fascinating history. And one of the things I didn't know that I didn't know was just how little I knew about Central and South America history. I was like, oh, I didn't know that over and over and over. So in 1821, Panama declares independence from Spain. And in 1846, there is a treaty signed between Colombia, which is where Panama slides into. Yeah, so when Colombia declared independence, they weren't, or it it was Panama and Colombia together, apparently yes. as, I think, Granada. Oh, the new, yeah, new Granada. And that is what they call the area because it also encompassed some of the, uh, some portions of other countries. countries. So they had a lot of Ecuador and, oh, was it Venezuela? I don't, see, I need to do better. I just don't know. There's still a lot we don't know. <laughs> but they, they were kind of all clustered together in this one new Granada. So... But in the middle of when Panama is part of New Granada, they changed their name to Colombia at that time. So we'll probably refer to it mostly as yeah. Colombia. Um, so they have this treaty that is signed between Colombia and the United States called the Malarino Bidlack Treaty. And so in this treaty, they say, Colombia says to the United States, hey, you have to remain neutral here and then we will let you have transit rights so the united states is like good we want to build a train so instead of walking across that 50 miles with your stuff you can take it on a train over to the other side so they start this whole panama railway operation but they don't do it until after there is another treaty signed between us and great britain called the clayton bueller treaty bulwer treaty with Nicaragua because there's another location in Nicaragua that has an actual lake that is not man-made where they wanted to do a canal through as well. So they start the railway through Panama and after several years of construction and many, many, many deaths. I think 5,000 plus deaths five, building the railroad. Building the railroad. Which they, I think they built around like 1850. Yes. 1855 is the beginning of operations. So they've been building it for however long it took to construct. And it would carry the cargo from one, con one country, one ocean, to the other ocean, not country. And 
it actually fell into disrepair in 1998. And then they fixed it and reopened it in 2001, just as a fascinating fact. But this is why, as we go on, Colombia and Chile were so afraid that America was going to take over Panama and create it as a U.S. territory. So that's one of the reasons you'll see in the future why there's a little clash that happens. But it was originally built along a road that was used by a lot of travelers and by Spanish travelers for even longer before that. And in 1836, U.S. President Andrew Jackson got the rights to the rail line, couldn't start it, Then France tried, but they couldn't get the funding. And so um, after the United States acquired California, like part of California, called Alta California, they signed a treaty to get the rail line in. So they were, that's kind of the process of that. And there were some clashes. I have a funny clash. I know I need to talk about the Panama Canal and I can't do it. There's so many things. There was, in 1856, the watermelon riots of Panama City because an American took a slice of watermelon from a street stand and they didn't pay for it. So they argued and the Americans shot the vendor. So all of the vendor's friends came and killed 15 Americans and there was another um, Panamanian who had been killed because of a slice of watermelon. Actually, because of jerkish behavior, but... (laughs) Jerkish behavior over watermelon. So to give you an idea of why, what's going on in everyone's mind at the time, in 1869, the Suez Canal is built in Egypt, and it is built with a French partnership. So essentially, Egypt asks France and pays France to build this canal Uh, with them. I don't think Egypt was that involved, but yeah. But they were given full... Later. Custody... Of the canal after a certain, I think it's 99 years, um, which is fairly typical of the time. So it was flat land, and the difference between uh, the one section of water and the other section of water was inches. So they just cut through the land and had the two seas connect. And so it took 10 years to build. It was flat land, made of sand. There were no water level changes significant enough. So the French were really excited to And it was going. very, like, profitable. Oh, yeah. So they, they, they And it was huge because that saved so much time. Oh, so much. You'd on, have to go all the way trade. around Europe. And so then they want to do the same thing here, and they bring the same guy. His name was, like, exactly. Ferdinand de la Seps. Mm-hmm. And he goes over, and he's now, like, 74 years old when he starts this panama canal project and it's the same sort of thing he looks for investors and says hey who wants to who wants to get rich gets a ton of investors and he goes over and he starts work on the canal Mm -hmm. and his initial plan was to make it a canal the entire way across and you know he's they start work in like uh 1880 so i think his first shovel was 1879 they start it in 1976, they send the geological survey people over. Well, 1876. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, so, the, but they they started doing the actual work, I think, around the 1880s. I'm struggling today. And so in 18... Oh, wait. 
I have a lot of history here. Okay. So they go, they decide these routes. They have three places they want to pick from. One is in Mexico. One is in Nicaragua. Oh, Mexico would have been tough. It was longer. It's a lot longer, but it's fairly flat. And the Americans were like, yeah, (laughs) let's do that. But it's through the Isthmus in Mexico called, I don't know. Search it up. (laughs) The Isthmus of Mexico will come. Tom Tepec. It's at 199 miles or 192 kilometers and um, obviously harder because it's longer. But then they have the Nicaragua Canal that went through that lake I told you about earlier. But it turns out there's four volcanoes on that lake. And the year that they're like, yeah, we're going to do this one, there was this gigantic eruption that killed 30,000 people. Actually, this... That was, that was that a little was bit later, later, but yeah. But that's actually one of the reasons America took over the Panama Canal is because of that eruption. But that's why the French weren't going to do it is because they knew the, the volcanoes were there, and that's why they picked Panama. So then they go. he goes back to France, and he says, hey, we want to do this, we want to do it here, and we want to do a cutout all the way flat sea level cut out all the way across and there was this guy who was like no 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 we need to have locks on there because there's an elevation change you need to have locks on there and they're like no we don't want locks so they took away any of the plans that had locks because they wanted to just do sea level just like the Suez Canal and I thought it (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm too stupid. I have this joke written in my notes. <laughs> and it says, which is crazy, because if you split the two continents, I mean, where are North and South America going to drift? Like, I am the biggest dummy, and I still said it. I could have pretended, but I laughed at my own joke. <laughs> I gave it away. So they decide they're going to do the sea level canal. And... They are going to do it, what they think is next to the railway. And they think they're going to do a 7,720 meter long tunnel. So then I start freaking out, right? And I'm like, a tunnel? I I didn't hear anything about a tunnel. Turns out the canal, they call it a tunnel. Ah. So I seriously went for like an hour being like, how in the world are we going to do this? I know. That would have been really impressive to do a tunnel. And they're like, yeah, a tunnel, a canal. Finally. A tunnel, a water tunnel. <laughs> so that was a fun waste of time. But just know that if you're looking it up, you're going to see it. Yeah, so they spend years working on this. And they bring over tons of people. So for for they, they start out way behind. By 1883, they thought they'd be... They'd, they'd have gotten, like, I think 5 million cubic meters moved, and they had done, like, 660,000. So they're way far behind. They're running into all these health issues. So oh, there's yeah. mosquitoes down there. And, and at the time, nobody knows what's causing the illnesses. Do you want to know what they thought it was? The plants. They thought it was, yeah, from the ground, the dirt. They didn't even think it was the plants. They thought it was the dirt. So, yeah, the decomposing mm-hmm. plants is what I read, is oh. that they thought it was decomposing plants, and the gases coming up from that were making people sick, is what they thought. And so that's what they think that they're protecting themselves from, but 
it, it's really the mosquitoes, and they don't know that. And it's really, there's yellow fever and malaria. Mm-hmm. Those are the big ones. And, and so the yellow fever, I think, is, is like the more... It's meaner. Dangerous mm-hmm. at the, like, instantly. Like, you get really sick, and you either die or you get better. And malaria will come back. Like, once you have yellow fever, then you're kind of immune. But malaria, when you have it, you'll continue you to get sick it. throughout your mm-hmm. life or whatever. But they, they've been working on this for a while, and so many people are dying. Get this, though. They build a hospital. They send the people to the hospital. There are so many bugs that the nurses put pans of water under the bed yeah. to catch the bugs, which is what breeded all more of those mosquitoes that passed all of the sickness. So everyone would go into the hospital for maybe a broken arm, and they come out. Yeah, they would in a bag. They would flood these areas to to kill the ants, and yeah. they just leave the stagnant water there. And they just it it really was was pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. And so over the course of of like ten years or so, I think they said that the French were working on it for like seventeen years. But after ten years, they kind of went kind of bankrupt. Yes, but they they, they had were losing 20, money, thousand. But they were also losing their leadership. So they have people in charge, right? The yeah. ones who are in charge. And they keep dying because they keep getting yellow fever. And they keep sending over more people. And they keep dying. And I'm like, at what point do you just be like, oh, I would love to help you. But 14 <laughs> of my predecessors have died. I don't know the exact number. But yes, I will absolutely go. Like, I wonder if they I told might, people. Because no. one of the things that I read was like, people were like, oh, we would like to leave. And they're like, nah. <laughs> Like, you don't get to leave. And, and what are you going to do? You're oh, yeah. over there in Panama. It's not like you can, like, all right, I'm going to catch the next flight home. You know, the only way home is, <laughs> is these their boats. Ships, and, yes. and they're like, no, nah, you can't get on the boats. I did want to bring up this, this side fact because I finally found his name in my notes, and it's a relevant fact for the future. But when I was talking about those people who wanted to have the locks, there was this Congress member named Nicholas Blah, 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 Lapine. And he, cause he has like eight names, but he's the one that wanted the locks on the canals. And he had worked in tropical environments before. So he's like, you know what we should do? We should dam up this river, fill up a gigantic lake, and then build locks up because there is an 85-foot elevation gain. And then, and then we, should, we should do it that way. And they're like, no. And that is exactly the way that they did it when the Americans so, so took over the project. They initially said no, and then things weren't going so well. In in uh, 1887, yeah. they changed their mind and said, let's do the locks. And they brought over Gustav Eiffel, mm-hmm. who had just started the Eiffel Tower. Well, he is the one that was the second guy that said, no, you should put locks on. Yeah. He was the second one. So they ended up bringing him over mm-hmm. to design the lock system. Now, they never got to it because they couldn't do enough. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about was that Chagres River, and you're talking about damming mm-hmm. it up. So they initially didn't want to to dam it up. No, they just they wanted do to do sea this. level all the way through. But that river would come through and just wreak havoc. They, they would sometimes get like five inches of rain in an hour. Mm-hmm. That river would raise up to like 50 feet at a time. Wow. And it would come in, and all the work that they had done, it would just fill it all back in, 
in with and all this it would debris. Landslide. There were landslides because they've taken off the vegetation, and so it would just land. And they and have. And it's so wet that the yes. dirt. It, it, there's like no dry. It's being held dirt. together by the roots of the plants, and when you take out those plants, yeah. it just comes down. And so when their original plan, it was kind of skinny and steep, just like cut through. And so they realized that they couldn't do it that way. And when the Americans eventually do take over, they terrace it much wider so that it doesn't do it that. But I have another funny story that I don't okay. want to skip. <laughs> so remember Lesseps? There's two of them. There's Ferdinand and then there's another one. Charles, I believe. Charles. Well... The one who's in charge of all of the plans, right? He goes and takes his daughter with him to the very opening of the very first day. And they got there late, so the tide is low. But the And so they do this ceremony where she has like a wine box full of dirt and she's the one that digs the first groundbreaking shovel full. But I just thought <laughs> they they knew at this time that that people were dying because of the ground and he's going to have her shovel into the ground. I'm like, this is just a different place. And he, so because that doesn't work, he decides he's going to have her press the button so that the explosives go off to this basalt formation. And <laughs> she's, she's a little girl. <laughs> has her push the button. You would have loved that if I, you were a kid I, and you got to blow up. Uh, I'm like, my kids ride their bikes with their helmets. Like, I can't even wrap my head around But give them an option <laughs> to blow up some TNT. They will would take it like in a minute. poison dirt? Just turn over one shovel. That's right. It'll be fine. Hold your breath. Turn over a shovel of dirt. So that was my other thing. I went down so many crazy, crazy unrelated holes. I just can't, couldn't help myself. Yeah, So, but, but they lost 20,000 lives from mm-hmm. workers during that uh, stretch of time. And people were mad. And it, when they got back to France, they, uh, they were charged with essentially like fraud and mismanagement. Mm-hmm. And Maladministration the, is the, what they call the, it. Uh, charges were essentially like dismissed or dropped, but they were, uh, I think, They were found to guilty, prison. but they had the statute of limitations had lapsed. So they actually couldn't put them in jail. However, they were found guilty of something else. But um, it was the Ferdinand Lessups was found guilty on a second charge. But he was... And he ended up just dying right around Mm -hmm. then anyway. So he was already like 74 when they started. And he he, uh, passed away shortly after kind of the company folded. But Charles stayed alive until after the canal was finished. Yeah, he was the kid. Uh, he was the son of the mm-hmm. other guy. And one of the engineers, um, his name was Philippe uh, Benau Varia, mm-hmm. he stayed over in Panama. And I guess he must have got some sort of like ownership of the equipment and the company or whatever it was. But he stayed over there, and he kind of ends up playing a part later. So he's yeah, one of the French does. engineers, and he had been working on the canal since 1884. The company folds, and he stays over in Panama. So nobody's given up on the canal yet. I uh, mean, they, they still like the idea. Yes. I have another side story. To okay. Share. So there is this guy. His name is Jules Dingler, 
Did you hear of him? Uh-uh. He's the director, the director general of the project for a while. He's over there. He has a daughter. His daughter gets yellow fever and dies. Then his son gets yellow fever and dies. Then his daughter's fiance, I don't know if it's a separate daughter or the same daughter, gets yellow fever and dies. Then his wife gets yellow fever and dies. So then he goes back to France and never comes back to Panama. Took so much of his family. These people. Yeah. It's, uh, a, it's a totally different time, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, it's hard to even fathom that this would happen now. Cause oh, no. 20,000. Once you lose one family member, somebody is making a fuss of that all over the world. Yeah, and 20,000 people. 20,000, yeah. and that's just the French. So then the French basically give up. They run out of money. Nobody wants to invest anymore. Uh, but the U.S. doesn't want to give up on it. So in 1898, there's the Spanish-American War. There is, but there was a trick thing that happened by the French. So remember that volcano I got the timing wrong of before? So the United States are planning to build the canal in Nicaragua at this point. Well, not yet. No. Well, they have a committee. I know. But in 1898, there's not a committee yet. So in 1898, there's the Spanish-American War. Mm-hmm. And Teddy Roosevelt is the... He, he was in the Navy at the time. He kind of resigned to form the Rough Riders. But he was talking with somebody. One of the things that happened was there's a battleship made on the Pacific side, the USS Oregon. And so there's the Spanish-American War, and they're fighting, and there's the Spanish are over in Cuba. They need to send this battleship over to Cuba. Mm-hmm. So it goes all the way around, takes 66 days to get to Cuba. And that's when they go and say, see? See this? If we would have had a canal here, he could have made it in, I think, 21 days or something. And so then it goes to Congress and says, hey, look, we need to have a canal. And so Congress starts talking about canals again. But there was another piece of that. So the the Varia guy that you talked about, he hires a guy named William Nelson Cromwell to lobby the U.S. Congress to take over the project. Yeah, so in like 1902, I think, when the volcanoes go off, oh, yes. he sends the every member of the Senate a letter. Uh, yeah, like a flyer. Yeah, that <laughs> with the Nicaragua stamp on it, say, and a picture Saying of the 30, volcano. 30,000 people died, and that's when the 30,000 people died. And then he says, hey, we will sell you our equipment and our canal. Uh, and at the time, it was like $109 million is what he was trying to sell it for, which oh. I would have been... Multiple billions of dollars. But they sold it for more than that. No, they sold it for less than that. I thought it was ten million. Where am I so getting any of my information? T- the ten million like was I, what we. I've researched this for a long time. What we gave time. to Panama, <laughs> but we we bought the French equipment for forty million, which is oh. about one point five billion dollars in today's dollars. Well, so that yeah, guy Cromwell though was paid eight hundred thousand dollars of that day's money. Which is a ton. Which is a ton. Because they just wanted to get rid of that horrible project. Well, they have multiple, in in today's dollars, they got multiple billions of dollars of equipment just sitting there. Just sitting there. And so they wanted to sell it, you know, to the the U.S. and have the U.S. pick it up. Which is funny because the U.S. built a lot of that for them. 
They bought a lot of their original equipment from the, from US. the United States. And the, <laughs> but yeah, in in the 1902, the Congress was thinking about it. There was the volcanoes in Nicaragua, so then that kind of influenced Congress to pick Panama. Yeah. So this is where things get kind of crazy. And this is where I spent so much time in the first part where I want to know what the crazy stuff is. So Panama is not its own country. It's part of uh, Colombia. Yeah. It had, for There'd been something like 53 riots or revolts. The Panama people had not really wanted to be part of Colombia. Well, because the Colombian troops were the ones that were keeping order inside Panama, and there was a lot of disorder. The people were rebellious against the Colombian troops. Yeah, so for a long time, the Panamanians, you know, people wanted to basically separate from Colombia. Well, this Philip you know, Banal Barria, he's this wealthy guy. He kind of organizes a bunch of them together and says, really? hey, let's, you know. Revolt? Because what had happened is the the U.S. decides, hey, we're going to build this canal. And they go to Colombia and they say, hey, here's the terms. You know, we will give you, you know, $10 million. And what we want is a strip of land, you know, six miles wide to build this canal and we get kind of full control over that land and Colombia said uh, we want 15 million dollars plus some of the money you know that you from the French sale we want some of that money too and the U.S. says no thanks and the U.S. goes and talks to this Philip Benau Baria guy, and he still wants to do the deal because it, he's, it's his equipment. If he sells it, he gets the money and says, hey, you know, we need, you know, Colombia's offered this deal. We don't want to take it. He says, well, we'll start a revolt. So the U.S. sends a warship down, multiple warships down to Panama. They unload a bunch of Marines on, like, November... This is in 1903. So in 1903, the U.S. sends these warships down, puts some Marines on the troops, and on, like, November 2nd, there's uh, a rebellion by the Panamanians. Who was that organized? Yeah, and it's led... This Banal Varia guy is the one kind of organizing the Panamanians, and this is where... There's a bunch, you know, the Colombian army is kind of there. Well, they offer everybody in the Colombian army like $50 to lay down their weapons. Wow. Which is like a thousand something dollars today. And they do it. And, and so in a matter of hours, there is now a new country. Colombia sends something to the U.S. saying, hey, these guys are revolting. Help us out. And That's the U.S. is like, they had in the past. no thanks. So, and two days later, the U.S. is like, we now recognize the <gasps> independent country of Panama. And two weeks later, they signed the, you know, Banal Varia Hayes yes. Treaty mm -hmm. that gave, where they worked with the independent country of Panama to build the canal. Because don't forget that earlier they'd signed that treaty that said they would remain neutral inside Panama. 
to Colombia, right? Yeah. So there was actually a revolt in 1885. It's actually called the Panama Crisis. Yeah. Where they, the troops that were in Panama went to Cartagena because there was an uprising there. And so they were very sparse. And so the Panama people were starting their revolt because apparently this happened many times. And the U.S. government sent troops to Panama to stop the insurgency because they were trying to protect their railroad interests at that time. And the Colombian troops were like, uh, what are you doing here? And then they realized, but the Chilean Navy, which blew my mind. I know this is really short-sighted of me, but I didn't know that the Chilean Navy was bigger than the United States Navy at that time. And they were like, they set up ships out there. They got there two days before the United States left. But by the time they got there, the revolt had been put down. The Colombian troops were back in and the United States troops were packing up their ships already. Or it could have been like a big old thing because the Chilean people had just won this war down there where they blocked Bolivia from having sea access and that's one of the reasons why Chile is so long. And <laughs> I was like, what? Like, I didn't know this big old thing happened. But that's why Colombia reached out to them. And they were like, hey, can you help us? Is because they had done so yeah, in the past. They... That was part of their treaty. So <laughs> this is so mean. <laughs> and it's so bizarre because in that treaty that the, that the U.S. signs with Panama, mm-hmm. it says that the U.S. will protect panama's independence yes so this is like literally two weeks after Mm -hmm. this country was formed and the other odd thing is the panama flag that was raised for independent was raised by a a u.s major that's crazy so the u.s basically would endorse this revolt and help they didn't fire there was no fired shots yes which is lovely i mean if you're going to be rude, you might as well be rude without killing anybody. But it's basically <laughs> the U.S. goes down there, puts their uh, like their warships and their troops, raises the Panama flag, and then kind of, you know, what are you going to do about it, yeah. Colombia? And, and what Columbia could Colombia do? They don't do have anything. the Navy that Chile yeah. has. So Panama becomes this independent country. The U.S. took, they changed, you know, the original offer to uh, Colombia was will take six miles of land. They changed that to ten miles of land, mm. and then uh, took a bunch of you know like there there was more to it. Like I think they were offering like two hundred fifty thousand dollars every year and they stuff were. like that. Mm-hmm. But they basically said, hey, this strip of land plus, and, and this was pretty good foresight. Honestly, it's like uh, you need to give us control of these major cities here control over like sanitation hospitals and other things well and they had like forts like yeah so they brought forts forts in but they basically said hey these cities that you know they're they'll be panama cities but we get control over these aspects because they were so worried about the health thing that they said we need to fix this problem and they also did a 99 year lease yeah where they said we'll return it back to you in 99 years which they gave it back early When President Theodore Roosevelt was talking, he said, you know, they wanted to leave a long time ago, 
so it's okay. Yeah. Yep, that was <laughs> basically was like, what he was saying. But you broke a treaty. Like, <laughs> Well, so the, the one treaty that they were going to sign with Colombia never got ratified by, the Colombia didn't want to ratify it. Mm. So they said, no, we, you know, the, that's not, we don't like those terms. And so then they created the new country of Panama. So mm -hmm. in their mind, they didn't break any treaties. They're working with this new independent country of Panama. Well, what's happening at the same time is there is a man from Britain named Sir Ronald Ross, and he is in Africa, and he discovers that it is the mosquitoes that are carrying malaria and other diseases. So then they realize that they can do some preventative measures to stop the mosquitoes, and so when the United States takes over, they only lose like 54,000, I'm sorry. I know, I love how it's only... <laughs> It's only 5,400 like, ish people because because, because they, they knew what take, was happening. Yeah, they and, put up screens, they, you know, and, made and sure that was the one of the more impressive drained. things is like mm -hmm. that was one of their first things that they did was they had this uh chief sanitary officer, Colonel William Gorgas. He went down and and did honestly, I think it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So he had worked in, in the Spanish-American War, he had worked in Cuba and done some of the same stuff where they, they, were, they had this similar sort of problems. And so he knew a lot of this stuff. He went down and tested. They found that like 70% of the local population had malaria. Wow. But they knew that what these problems... So he ordered all this uh, like um, uh, copper screening and stuff for windows so that they could keep mosquitoes out. And, they, and he went and put... He would either drain out water or put kerosene over all. Wow, that sounds terrible for the environment. I was thinking that but too. But look how many lives were saved. But it, yeah, <laughs> it was actually very impressive. And, and then they also went and they fixed a bunch of sanitation stuff. So you can see pictures of like the streets before. The streets were just mud. And so they went and they put sidewalks and they put sewers and they put all this stuff to help out the sanitation so that people and it took years so yeah. they started construction and at the beginning the conditions were terrible and what amazes me about this is the scope of this project is in a way like building it in a, a country like you're yeah. building the very foundations of this country from mud and <laughs> grass roofed houses like that they just are putting in all of their structure and it really was gigantic yeah it, it, it's kind of mind-blowing i can't remember how many buildings they end up uh building like 200 buildings refactoring another 200 buildings they uh fix a, like a whole, the hospitals up and make the hospitals nice uh they spent like 375 million dollars which in today's dollars would be about 11 billion dollars uh on which even seems fairly cheap it and it really does mm -hmm. it when it at the it probably seems super expensive at the time 11 mm -hmm. billion dollars but in terms of like value it was an amazing deal because that new building in las vegas i think was two billion yeah that, to have a, a circle smile at you sometimes and that can't even take warships anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you can't even put your battleships in there. You didn't even build a lake. But the the U.S. construction was kind of interesting. The first guy that they put in charge. So the other first thing that I thought was really interesting was they do they do this they create this they call it the Isthmian Canal Commission, 
and that's who is in charge of building this. And they report to the Secretary of War, which I thought was weird because I didn't even know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. But we got rid of that in, like, 1940s, and I think called it the Secretary of Defense. But it essentially was if you almost think about run how by many the wars army. There were until recently. It's probably reasonable. So the this commission is essentially being run by you know reports to the Secretary of War. The first guy who goes down and is in charge of it resigns within a year, and he has all sorts of problems because the conditions are yeah terrible. He's back at the beginning. And he's back at the beginning. And they bring another guy in. His name was John Stevens. And, and he actually, they said, did a pretty good job. So he's when they really started getting serious. What wife's influence was? When they're like, John, you best have us go home because I'm sick of it here. <laughs> I, I think at the beginning there was probably a ton of that. But supposedly by like 1908, like people were intentionally bringing their families over. Because it wasn't awful. Because they had fixed it. So John Stevens, I think, was one of the ones who was, was like, all right, let's put more emphasis on making it nice and making the conditions better than on building the canal. Yeah, build up the foundation parts first so that you don't lose all of your workforce. Yeah. And and then he ended up retiring after a couple of years just saying, like, you don't need me anymore. So he was a railroad guy. And he was saying... This isn't really my thing. Yeah. So then they brought in another guy, and he was supposedly really good. He was the Lieutenant Colonel Gothel. And so these other guys were civilians. The guy that they brought in, the third guy, he was an Army guy. He, he doesn't get to resign. Like, there's no... Oh, it's his job. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. They can just order him and say, no, you're... This is, this is what <laughs> you're doing. And so... And now that you're not dying of yellow fever, you have to stay here for a very long time. Because <laughs> uh, the the canal finishes in 1914, so they've still got several years between when he's put in to when he's done. So. Yeah, and there was a so the work that the French did. I think they they say they they did about like one third of the total like dredging and doing mm-hmm. whatever, and then the U.S. came and had to finished the last you know two-thirds of the work so there was still a ton to do and and they started getting like really smart about it they built like these double railroads and the coolest things yeah where i'm sitting there and i'm thinking this must have felt like you were on a rocket ship at the time this must have felt like the coolest newest age stuff because even when i'm looking at it i'm like whoa yeah (laughs) And then what I thought was cool, well, interesting, in 1906, Teddy Roosevelt goes down for a photo op. First time a U.S. president ever left the United States while in office. What? Yep. Whoa. And, and it was 1906. And I mean, all the time. He, he went down on like a battleship and went down and spent just like three days there. He's walking around in his white suit and a white hat. White? Yep. And he ends up crawling up. They have like this photo that was fairly famous at the time. Is he gets on one of the? Uh, it's not a dredge, but it's one of the dirt movers. You yeah. know, he he's up in there at the controls, and they get some pictures. You know, of him. You know, on this gigantic machine. But apparently, 
he he was really uh i think a pretty good leader so he went and talked he what he would do is he would be like okay this is the schedule i'm gonna go visit you know this place this place this place and he would go not at the times that he said he'd go to catch everybody off guard and he'd talk to everybody from the lowest people to the highest people and you know how are things going what's the condition what can we do and apparently i i I think people were pretty impressed like all the workers and keep in mind tons of people are dying there's a war starting soon yeah there's some turmoil going on in that world war one era stuff (laughs) <laughs> so he's probably like, all righty, everybody, what can we do? <laughs> but it, apparently the people down there really took to him and, and liked him. And I think uh, it, it it was pretty impressive to read about his, his trip. But he was only there for like three days. And then, you know, he's back to back to work. But, yeah, the construction was really interesting. They go in, they, they build, they start building the dam. Which took them, I don't know how many years. It's something like seven years, I think, to finish I was that say, dam. That's a big. That's a big project yeah. in and of itself. And so they were using, I think, a lot of the dirt that they're pulling uh-huh, out they to go dam up this uh, river. And they actually they had, had to make two lakes, but the, the one of them is machines. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Have they two they lakes. invented a bunch of machines just for this. Just for this, so. To give you guys an idea of just a few of the cool machines that they have. So they have like earth movers, of course, and they're on railroad tracks, a lot of them. And so they would, but they would have to move the railroad tracks. This is my favorite invention that they have. Is so they use this movable railroad track in a couple of ways. And one is that they, they have these earth movers and they pick up the dirt and they put it on this train track that has a flatbed and then one side. So that it's open to the side where Where they're filling it up, right? And then they move the train to wherever they need it, and then they dump it off with this big metal uh, slanted sheet of metal, and then it pushes it off onto the ground. Then they steamroll that, and then they lift up the tracks and move them over onto that spot so that they can (laughs) dump it in the next spot. And I was like... They have, they're just moving the tracks. Like, but then they would do the same thing with the actual dirt picker upper is they would then just move the tracks over. And I just thought, I don't know why, but that is the coolest thing. Because if a human being had to move that track, that is taking forever. And that is a ton of human beings. And they're just like, nope, just going to pick it up and move it. And, And they were saying that that train track system that they were using is what really let them do this like yeah. they, they, they they think that they would have been like the french where they would have just given up because mm-hmm. apparently they would go in and they would dig out these areas and it would rain and the next day that these areas that they had just done would have three million more cubic meters of dirt mm-hmm. in it that they would need to move out and that would happen a lot where they would just have to go in and they it took them way more time than than anybody had estimated at the beginning just because of the conditions. But so they they also built these uh the, the dredges for the parts near the ocean that would go in and they had um these arms that went under and would just churn up the the mm-hmm. bottom part and then suck up the dirt and move it somewhere else. And I think 
you know, they were just inventing all this really cool yeah, stuff. Whatever they needed, they would just figure out how to do it. And just like in the olden days. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just thought it is it, just so impressive mm-hmm. that they were able to to do this and build this and all, you know all the cool stuff that they come up with, let alone like the lock system. Mm-hmm. So the way that the locks kind of work is they build like the cement sides mm-hmm. on the we'll just call it like the left and right. So they got cement sides. I don't even remember how thick the cement is, but they talk about how much cement they use. It is they ridiculous. used more cement than the amount of dirt they removed. It is it, yeah, it's insane <laughs> to even think about like how much. Uh, oh, it was. So they moved 4.5 million cubic yards of earth, and they put in 6.5 million cubic yards of concrete. Yeah, and and so then they they would build these sidewalls, and then what they had was for the, I'm going to call them the doors, the locked doors, Mm -hmm. is they would make these, uh, it was, was, I'm assuming like stainless steel, but it was basically these steel doors that were, that were kind of hollow in mm-hmm. the middle, so that otherwise, it, but they're Which like several feet, move. you know, thick. They'd make these steel doors that would swing open, mm-hmm. and then they would, you know, pump water in, you know, seal the the doors shut, pump the water in, and then open, you know, the doors up or pump the water out. Do you know whose design this was? Whose? Leonardo da Vinci. That's interesting because uh-huh. the other thing that I didn't know, I, honestly, I didn't know that they had used locks before. Oh, uh-huh. and so I was like, I they thought that, that much, was one of the things that they had invented scale. them. No, I, I mean these these were by far the biggest. Oh yes, but the first locks ever made in a canal were actually in China. Oh, and the first idea for a lock was, uh, it, it was more of a one way thing. So you, you had your canal that kind of sloped down. Well, there would be times when it, the slope was too steep, so they just would build up kind of the, the walls, the dam, and on your way down, they would just build it up, then they would open the doors, and you and would just wee. coast the water down like a water slide. <laughs> but it only worked one way. Sure. So so then, you know, a thousand years later, they come up with the, the sealed doors, and I have no idea how they pump the water. It is gravity-fed. And, and it well in this one, but back mm-hmm. then I don't know what they did in China. Like oh. I never, I didn't even mm-hmm. look into that. But apparently the first door was like 900 AD or something like that, or whatever the. But but then they'd also used them in Europe and a bunch of other places already had locks. I didn't know that. I actually thought this was the first uh-huh. time that they made these canal locks anywhere, but they were fairly Amsterdam common. Amsterdam is like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, but these locks, the first ones they made were like uh, a thousand feet long. Wow. And then 110 feet or something like that wide. Wow. And so they, they just have like a massive amount of concrete and the ships pull in, they fill it up and. It's so crazy that the ships don't even fit anymore. <laughs> yeah. And they they refitted the things in like 2015 Seven. or something. It so ended it finished. In, it ended in. 2015. Yeah, and make, they built new lanes. There's new lanes there, and and still there are ships that don't fit. Yes, and and that that's kind of amazing to think is if you think how long this is, like a thousand feet, and, and that was the beginning one. You know that I think it's uh, longer now, and they still these ships don't fit. It's crazy. 
but yeah, so they they finished construction in 1914. The mm-hmm. uh, uh, first you know ship goes through. It, it's kind of a big deal, but that's when World War One breaks out and it kind of gets lost in the news. So here's this massive accomplishment, and Huge. everybody's so excited and happy, but it doesn't really. But there's terrifying things yeah. on the horizon. So, but I, I do think that it was pretty. Uh... I have some more fascinating facts, though. Okay. Before we finish. And I've got a bunch of just little facts oh, that I wanted Mine to go are through the little. Not related, but kind of okay. related. So, also in 1914, the United States pays Nicaragua $3 million so that they can have rights if they want to build that canal through that one spot again. They just finished Panama. But they're like, we're going to pay you so that we can, I, I don't know how long that lasted, but there was a timeline to it. And to put a military base on the Corn Islands, which are right off the coast of Nicaragua to the Caribbean seaside. But there was also <laughs> this weird fact that is totally irrelevant, so brace yourself. In 1960, I came across this information from 1960 where they were talking about the Nicaraguan Canal. And they have something called the Operation Plowshare. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> they were going to build the canal by blowing up the land with atomic bombs. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the plan was to go through. Because imagine how much dirt you can move. Like, this dynamite is uh, kids' toys now. <laughs> so, yeah, they had this plan where they were talking about using atomic weapons to go in and blow out a new canal. And can you imagine next to those volcanoes, too? Just be like, ah. <laughs> well, I just kind of think of the radiation, you know. Oh, like, for sure, the radiation. Like, who wants to, I don't know I felt like how much they knew saying. at the time about the radiation, Not but I think who, who would want to be taking their <laughs> ship through there? You can also grow a third eye. <laughs> you get there in half the time. Uh. Oh. But here's just like some quick information about the canal. Uh, the I think you had kind of mentioned this. The ships end up getting raised like 85 feet yep. over a course of several uh, locks. So they come in, you know, and from whichever ocean. And not very many locks, I thought. Was yeah, surprising. so it, it's, like I, I think there are like 12 locks, but are I think you have 12? to pass through, I think, three on each side to get, um, to get across. That's... Oh, 12 locks total because there's two lanes. Yeah. Yes. And and so you, you go in and, you know, you go up one lock, go forward, go up another, and then you hit these big lakes. So mm-hmm. there's two lakes. There's a, the Gaton Lake and a Miraflores Lake. And you just sail across those lakes till you get to the uh, next lock, and then, you, you know, you go down. But what's interesting is because of the nature of things, like they only certain ships, like I think, 35 feet deep is kind of what they say. I, I don't know how deep it actually is, but that's what the, I, I don't remember what the term is, like displacement or something like that. Um, so when I is. went looking, I I like to use the Google map, and then I like use the little guide to get a street view, and sometimes they have pictures. Yeah. And so I, I found this bridge that crosses over the river that they blocked, and you can see out to the lake. And it's it's big, but it's not terribly big. Like it's, but it's these mega ships that are on there are taking up a lot of space in those smaller riverways. 
and and the if you want to go through, you cannot go through unless you have an approved pilot on board. And so they have pilots down there mm-hmm. that that, that just sit and through. wait. And so you show up, and the pilot will jump on your ship, take you through. I, I assume that some big companies probably have their own pilots, so they don't have to stop. But uh, it, it's pretty. They they say for some people like it. The, the tightest fit they ever said was there was a ship that went through that had six inches of leeway. And when you look at the videos, you can see that some of them are so close. Yeah, that... and those ones probably have several feet. And yeah. it looks insanely <laughs> close. Like, you just can't even imagine. And what they do have, too, is they have, they call them mules. Mm-hmm. On, the, on the locks on the top, they have these railroad tracks, and they, have, they call them mules, these little locomotives at the top. That they'll There's basically two that hook, hook up. on the front and two that hook on the back to sort of keep it. Yeah, and, where and it help needs guide it through and mm-hmm. pull it through. So they'll pull it through these locks to help it. Because I still imagine this part of me that's like, there needs to be a guy on the side with like an inflatable. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Can you like, imagine though, no! like what level of inflatable <laughs> you need to stop the battleship from? <laughs> uh, it, yeah, um... it's almost mind blowing to think about these things going through. And in fact. There was uh, an aircraft carrier that went through, oh, and yeah. one of the guns on the aircraft carrier wiped out like all the the street lights that were next to because it was just sticking out. Was it over still the owned edge. by the United States at that time? Yes. So they're like, dang it, but not like international incident. Yeah, it it wasn't an international <laughs> incident because it's basically the U.S. just going, "Oops, my bad. I'll pay for that. We'll replace it." So they can only accommodate about thirty-five ships a day. With with how long it takes to up and down and move around, it takes eight hours to make the trip, and that's a that's fast. So there are some that takes eleven. Yeah. So it it depends on a few things, but yeah. And and the other thing that I think is kind of interesting is they charge you based off of yes. your weight essentially. And I have the most expensive and the cheapest. Uh, the cheapest was amazing. Do the cheapest first because that one blows my <laughs> mind. Their lowest toll ever paid at the Panama Canal was 36 cents. And it was paid by Richard Halliburton, who swam the canal in 1928. And that 38 cents is like five-something dollars he today. Had to pay. Can you imagine? I mean, they did lift him up and put him down. Can you imagine the amount of work (laughs) that they put through? And not only that, you know he's not making it through in like eight to ten hours. Like, these people are sitting there. All right, now he's got to swim a thousand. Maybe they open the doors and let him go, wee, instead, like the China That would actually be kind of fun. (laughs) That would be fun. Uh, But the highest was by Maesirk Deli, who paid... $249,165 $249,165 in 2006. As oh, I thought there was even a higher one. but There probably is. Because I saw one that saw. they said was like 300 and something thousand. Whoa. And not only that, but another company paid 200000 to cut in line. Oh. So, Did like right now, they the got drifts? a drought going on. So, oh, yeah. there's backups of like 150 ships waiting to get through. Mm-hmm. And so they just paid, I'll give you 200000 you know, to the quick pass to get me at the front of the Disneyland line. <laughs> so I have this unrealistic theory about why they are having such a bad drought right now. And not, I mean, why the lake isn't staying full. So this, this has nothing to do with anything. I'm just making this up in my head. <laughs> but the way that the lock system works is that when you come in to the, 
to the first lock, you have ocean water. So then they pump in lake water and then you rise up and float into the next one. They shut it and then they empty that lake salt water back into the ocean so that it, yeah. you know, doesn't salinate the lake and plus it's gravity fed. So every time a ship goes through, they're losing that much water. 50 million gallons yeah. per ship. So here's my theory. When they finished that second set of lanes in 2015, their, I my guess is their river water can't replace anymore that extra displacement. And so gradually, gradually, so when the rains are not there, I think they that they just the... don't have the refill and they're losing it twice as fast as they were before. Now, now one thing that they did when they built the new lanes is they do have a recover thing, so they ah. only lose like 60%, but... But still. it's still potentially true. Sixty percent doubled. Better it. than nothing to keep yeah. forty, though. But it blows my mind: fifty million gallons of water for every ship that goes through. And that still counts. Thirty with something Richard times a day. I know. That's what I was thinking <laughs> with him. Is like number one is somebody's got to sit and operate the thing. Mm-hmm. So for five dollars, he's got this. Who and knows how many hour long trip. Is he trip. swimming laps while it's filling or is he just like la la Well, la. I assume that it takes a while <laughs> to get that thousand. I, I don't know. I actually should have looked how long it takes to fill. I, well, I watched some videos. Eight hours and it's only, what, 40 miles long? Like, But 40 miles 51. swimming is, uh, that seems like a long time. 20 minutes swimming sometimes feels like a long time. <laughs> But uh, they they uh, generate about three billion dollars a year in fees, which Good. is like half the Panama's economy. Yeah, they employ ninety five hundred people at this canal. Yeah, which it, is it, weird because I'm like, what are you doing? That's what I think with uh-huh. a lot of my guess is that there's multiple procedures in place. So you have to have the pilots, you got the people on the mules, you got, and I get my bet is that everything is so documented down to the thing that they have like five people sitting you know every time somebody goes in they got people who go hook it up to the mules Mm -hmm. they got people and you do that you know 24 hours a day plus i'm sure you got the all right these people are cooks and these people are gonna you know take out the garbage and these you know i i assume there's a lot of jobs that aren't really related to the canal they have um tours yeah, that you can take. I don't know if they actually go through the lock system, but I do know that you can on the lake take a tourism trip around the lake and see all the stuff. I think that would be fascinating. I, I think it would be pretty fascinating to go through the locks. And I've watched some videos, like people will go put uh, the little sped up videos online so you can watch the ships go through. And, yeah. And it is, it, it's impressive, but they were talking about, like, how much time you save. So they were saying, like, you know, from, say, like, California to New York sort of thing can save anywhere from 20 to 30 days. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I do kind of wonder, though, if that Nicaragua path will ever be used just because they're so backlogged and so much stuff. I can't help but wonder... But I don't know how much that Nicaragua lake gets filled up by anything. So maybe you just end up with the same problem. So their initial plan there was to not do the lock system, too. Oh, yeah, was, was to do one flat. without a lock. Uh, and essentially, I think they would just end up draining the lake and using the natural, you know, 
elevation Goodbye. loss or whatever. To... Don't tell the people who are all for animals and stuff and the nature folks because that won't play anymore. <laughs> Maybe. Here's the, the counter to that, though, is imagine how much fuel is saved. <gasps> imagine. Yes. Because these things burn so much fuel every day. Like, I, I think it's like thousands of gallons of fuel a day. Wow. Cut 20 days off of every trip. And keep in mind, 30 ships going through every day. Like, the amount of fuel, how, how many 14,000 trips through the canal? Over 14,000 yeah. in 2022. They got their millionth through the canal in 2014. Yeah, it, and they said that 5% of all worldwide shipping yeah. goes through that canal. And, like, 60% of, like, U.S shipping i i you know when i when i thought about it i was like why don't we just use our rail systems like i was wondering that too is it like just sail into (laughs) la and ship it over to new york or sail into you know Mm -hmm. new york ship it over to you know i was wondering that but i i honestly think that if you look at like the like how much they can put on some of those carriers oh yeah that's true that it it's and the warships were the big push at the time where there, you can't send a warship over the train system. Yeah, so and and it blows my my mind some of the facts and watching like seeing some of the pictures. If you, you there's like a picture of like a battleship, and I saw one of an aircraft carrier. One of the things that I thought was interesting with the aircraft carriers in the 40s when they were designing the aircraft carriers, they designed them to have a fold up side so that they could go through the canal so they part of the aircraft carrier would fold up so that it could fit through the panama canal i didn't look this up but i imagine there's some sort of treaty that says that they'll allow the united states in i imagine that was part of because they gave the canal back i mean not even back they gave the canal over to the panamanians in uh, 1999. So that's when it was finished. The Jimmy Carter was the one who set it in motion in '79, and he set was, a plan. And in 1999, yes. basically and it was an early out because we were supposed to keep it till I think 2014. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? Because they'd been having riots in Panama about it. Because because Panama felt people. like they got ripped off with the <laughs> treaty. And 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 the truth is. They pretty much did. They got their own country out of it. So and freedom from Colombia. The U.S. <laughs> uh, I can't remember if it was the guy who did the treaty. Basically, he was like, "Yeah, we got, we got the best deal out of this treaty by far." But uh, Panama got kind of mad, you know, like this was their country, and we took this swath of land. And there's a. I can understand that, but they also couldn't have done this. They themselves. couldn't have done it, and there was a huge benefit to them and their economy. Mm-hmm. So they they make, I mean, this is half of their entire country's economy having At this, this point. canal. Because back when they went to go build the train, the train cost way, way, way more than their entire national economy. Yeah, I don't. I don't even really think they had what you would consider an no, economy. No, I don't either. And so what this sort of thing was and. They got all the sanitation stuff that mm-hmm. that happened when they built this. They fixed, you know, hospitals and sewers and roads and all sorts of things. But I, I, I don't really know because I obviously don't know a lot about this. But I feel like it's less 
than they think it is. I like less um, leachy. That it wasn't as bad a deal for them as they think. Yeah, I, I honestly think they probably could have gotten you know more money if they weren't Panama. You know, like if it's yeah. basically um, like like Colombia. I think the U.S. would have taken that deal where they would have done fifteen million plus part of the sale from the French stuff, which I think they wanted another ten million. Especially now, knowing how good it's been for everybody, I do think they. Could. Yeah, and I think the U.S. would have taken that, but um, yeah. It, anyway, Panama, I think, fully owns it with the essentially the. You know, you have to let people through. Like, the, you can't block people from going through. So, do you have one more fascinating fact that we should know about? Um, the only other thing that I thought was really interesting is that if you look at the way the canal is on, you got the Atlantic Ocean on the east and the Pacific Ocean on the west, the Pacific Ocean entrance is further east than... Oh. Than the Atlantic one. <laughs> Did you because know that it it's goes higher too? Oh really? Yeah. It's like eight inches higher or maybe it's not inches, but it's it's a little bit higher on the Pacific Ocean side than it is on the Caribbean. But that's yeah. not my fascinating fact. What's yours? My fascinating fact was in October tenth of nineteen thirteen, President Woodrow Wilson pushed a button that sent a signal to blow up the last dike that was blocking the lake from coming out of into the Colvera cut that's the large cut that goes into the Pacific Ocean and so he did that from Washington oh really push the button I kind of don't know if it was actually connected. I suspect that it was not really hooked up and <laughs> because that it was I don't symbolic. know that they had a lot of you know non-wired things at that time I wonder if they told him. <laughs> they're just like, no, this will do it. Trust, just uh-huh. press the button. Push oh, the you did button. it, Mr. President. They said Congratulations. it took four seconds for the message to get from there to there. And I was like, how? But okay. So that was my that was my thing. And the Colvera cut is when they had to remove pretty much a little a little tiny mountain. And that was a big part of the land that was cut out. Yeah, that was, I think, the hardest part. part is that that was the highest portion that mm. they had to go through. And it, it really isn't that high. No. So it's, I think it's their nice. highest was like 300 feet mm-hmm. that they had to go down, which is a lot. Like and 300 feet it, down is a lot. They added 500 acres of land to that Pacific side because they, they just dumped it. They made 500 more acres of Panama. They made more acres of Panama. Yeah. Anyway, there was, there was a lot to this, and it, it was fun to read about. It was. So. I got to figure out some more South American... Central American history. Yeah, I had no idea that Panama didn't even exist as a country until until, until we decided to put a canal through it. it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.